Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing really, really good. Uh, it's a rare evening record for us. Yes, yeah. So All the hell breaks loose. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Off, off the chain, after hours. Yeah. Frank's yeah. going to take his top off. I think what's more likely to happen is I'm going to run out of words very quickly. <laughs> That's <laughs> normally my experience of evening recording. We'll try and try and get in and get the get the takes out before that happens. Then, what are we talking about today? We are diving into another one of I think a fan favorite types of episodes, which are our investigator specific episodes. And this time we're talking about drum roll, please. He's a white man. <laughs> he can take seeker cards. Yeah. That's right. It's Monterey Jack. Yay. Finally. God, we're really ages to cover him. I know. This has been a long time coming. So we're going to dive in and talk about Monterey. Yes. Jack. <laughs> yes. Um, the Cheese Man. The Cheese Man. Exactly. Maybe the most awkwardly named Arkham character or Arkham Files character, I suppose. I feel like he was named as a gag to sort of riff on Indiana Jones in yes. some way. Yeah. And now the gag has had to stick. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. If if I can have a, a very brief... We were talking about Warhound just before we started. Mm-hmm. But um, there's obviously like a whole spin-off to Warhammer 40,000 these days called Based on the Horus Heresy. And there was a lot of books written about the Horus Heresy. But one of the characters... Uh, there, there was like a bit of fiction when they were introduced so one of the major characters one of the primarchs the primarch of the night lords is called conrad kurtz mm-hmm. and his name is a joke based on heart of darkness yeah because it's what's the author conrad joseph conrad. joseph conrad and uh, colonel kurtz is the the central i guess antagonist in apocalypse now mm-hmm so they they named a character as a joke, and now it's stuck. And now there's there's hundreds of books written about them. Yeah, it's nearly as good as the, the man with metal hands is called Ferris Manus. <laughs> so bad in that way. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, it's gritty. It's the it's it's this dark whatever millennium it is, the thirtieth millennium, forty first. Isn't Horus Heresy earlier? Though? Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, it's the it's thirty thousand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a man called Boom. Ferris Manus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Iron Hands. Yeah, it's a shame, but there we go. I guess it's, you start and you do things that you find fun and that are your little jokes for yourself. And <laughs> yeah. then the IP grows and becomes... 35 years later, you're stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're talking about Monterey Jack, the archaeologist. There's also this weird thing as well, that he, the way archaeologist is spelt as his subtitle is not the way that archaeology is spelt anywhere else in Arkham. Oh, really? If I had to guess, I would guess that that's his official Arkham Files American spelling of archaeologist. Right. Even though they've now adopted the English spelling everywhere else. So like, if you look in in the flavour for Jack, young Jack travelled the world with his father's archaeological expeditions with archaeological spelt with an extra A, Mm -hmm. but then he spelt without that extra A, the archaeologist. Anyway... Small detail. Absolutely amazing. Do you want to read us how you you probably don't want to read the weakness, so how do we do this that you're avoiding reading the weakness? (laughs) I don't mind. I don't mind reading the weakness. Shall I read the front? Yeah, please. Take it away. Bro, right. We have Monterey Jack, the archaeologist. 
Monterey has... Should we call him Monterey or Jack? I think this is what you were going to get at earlier because everyone calls him Jack, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though his name is Monterey. That's... Yeah, although on the back it refers to young Jack. Oh, I'll, and I'll it go. says that Monterey in speech marks. So I think we call him Jack. Okay, cool. Jack. Right, so we have Willpower 1, Intellect 4, Combat 2, and Agility 5. Uh, and we have the Wayfarer trait. His ability is a reaction. At the end of your turn, if you start at this round one location away from your current location, either gain one resource or draw one card. If you start at this round two or more locations away, do both instead. Uh, his Elder Sign effect is plus one. If you start at this round one or more locations away from your current location, gain one resource or draw one card. And he has eight health and six sanity. Mm. Yeah, we're getting ever closer to that elusive one five one five, you know, two ones two five stat line, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> min max heaven. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he's a really min max character here, isn't he? I mean, I guess if you were looking at this, maybe you'd argue that he, if he had his two combat and willpower and one one combat, might make him a little bit a little bit more effective. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's just a little bit. You get more willpower tests that are like. This is depending on how much you fail, uh, fail by take this Matora yeah. or something. So, and just willpower tests that are forced upon you. Yes, you can more or less choose not to test combat, but willpower you're probably going to be made to test. Maybe just once per scenario, but probably most scenarios will make you test willpower. I guess the thing I didn't say was that he's a rogue. Hmm. Yeah, shiny green. Yes. So, so I mean, his stats aren't out of the ordinary for a rogue, right? Mm-hmm. Five agility and four intellect is a nice place for a rogue to be in, I think, with a lot of the rogue card pool. Yeah, it's Those really good. Lock picks are popping you up to, to nine, a nine test. Yeah, yeah, they are, which is really nice. But when we flip Jack over, and I'm going to just do that straight away, he's got a normal deck size of 30. He's rogue only level zero. And then he's Seeker, level 1 to 5, can take Neutral, 0 to 5, and 5 other Seeker cards, level 0. And the reason I jumped to say that right now is that obviously he can't take Lockpicks level 1, which is the more reliable Lockpicks. So he can take Lockpick 0, and that's the one that that breaks uh, if you don't succeed by 2. Yes. So that 9 means, you know, he's really operating at a 7 in terms of keeping the Lockpicks around for any length of time. Yeah. Yeah, the big I think the the change up from lockpick 0 to lockpick 1 is pretty significant that that three three resource cost and it could be done in one test is really is really terrifying side point. But yeah, so he's rogue on the front seeker <laughs> seeker, seeker on the back. <laughs> seeker on the back, seeker in terms of how he develops. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is a lot of people have been speculating about this pairing of classes, mm-hmm. right? Mhm. Yeah. This is high-level Seeker with, I guess, low-level Rogue? Level yeah. 0 Rogue? We've skirted around it, haven't we? People yeah. thought that Ursula might be it, but yeah. she then wasn't. Trish, we've seen the inverse, high-level Rogue with Seeker 0 to 2. Mm-hmm. And now we nearly see the 5-2 split Seeker Rogue, but not quite. It's it's instead the, the morphing investigator type. So where do we want to go first? We want to talk about his ability... This is, I guess it's a, it's a big, big one, isn't it? The ability. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Break it down for me, please. <laughs> well, let, let's just remind ourselves. Okay, so if you start, at, 
sorry, if you finish your turn mm-hmm. at least at one location away from where you start, you're going to get something. Uh, yeah. If it's if it's just one location you've moved, you're going to get uh, you're going to draw a card or you're going to get a resource. If you've managed to move twice during your turn or you're two locations away, that's that's a resource and a card. And then that's of course typically followed up pretty swiftly by your upkeep, where you draw another resource and another card. Mm-hmm. So really, you're you're doubling the rate at which you you get resources and you get cards if you're able to reliably move around the place. Little top tip for playing Jack. Have some kind of token or counter that you can place when you start the round. And then you can move your little investigator mini card. And at the end of your turn, you can see where you started and you haven't forgotten. And you know where you started when you ended and you can calculate it easily. I found that invaluable when I'm playing Jack. Because obviously I'm keeping track of other things or what other people are doing. And it's really easy to lose track. Oh wait, did I move this turn? Oh, I can't remember particularly with seeker movement shenanigans where you might be taking multiple moves that aren't actions. Absolutely, yeah. Luckily, the Elder Sign effect there, it's just a kind of extension of his core ability. Um, And I must admit, in in our campaign, Frank, I've played through most of a campaign with Jack now, and I don't Mm -hmm. think the Elder Sign has ever drawn me cards or gained me resources. Mm -hmm. It's a weirdly weighted Elder Sign, isn't it? Because it, it, it has an implicit bit of guidance for Jack. Do your moving first, because we'll reward you more later. And that's actually not often how people play. Maybe if I had to make a massive generalization, you do your moving in the middle. Mm. (laughs) You don't move last action because you don't want to move into a new location, not knowing what it will do or separating the party. But you also normally don't just immediately move. You're normally doing something first, drawing a card, investigating. But Jack sort of skews it. It's it, it's a little nudge to say, get going. If you're going to move, you may as well move first and then do any tests just for maximum benefit. Yeah, potentially. So to me, Jack's ability is very good. I don't mm. think that's a controversial viewpoint. That's not, that's barely like hand warm take. <laughs> you, know, you could easily put your hand in a take of this temperature without needing to be like, ooh, ow. Fetch the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an econ ability. Yeah. Directly gets you resources and cards. And I, mm-hmm. they're, they're just dependable, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's an econ ability that the threshold to trigger it is pretty darn low. I mean, there are scenarios where you don't want to move every turn for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's not, for instance, uh, across the board great, but... I would put those scenarios probably only 5% of scenarios at this point. And the rest of the time, you're going to want to move most turns, if not every turn. So out of the 95% of scenarios where you move, 95% of the time you're moving pretty regularly. So it's going to fire pretty darn regularly. And if if the only thing that you need to make this econ ability fire is a single action, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't think of many if any scenarios where you don't move at all even the ones where you're not moving much Mm -hmm. there's some Um, artificial restriction on how you move horror in high gear yeah but you're still moving aren't you yes but you move in the enemy phase oh so you still begin Uh, you move no you move at the end of investigation so his turn ends and then investigation ends so he if you stay in the car 
he never he never moves and he never used the car's actions yeah 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 yeah, having played horror and high gear with jack i didn't trigger his ability a single time because i stayed in the car i let it run i didn't use it to move ahead because i was just letting the flow of the scenario play out and collecting bp and so be it (laughs) <laughs> but I was happy to like he was fantastic for seven out of the eight scenarios in Innsmouth, so I was happy happy for him not to have an ability in that one. Well, that, that kind of leads me on to what I wanted to talk about. I, th- I think I was going to mention before before I start talking about his ability uh, a comparison with Ursula. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Ursula doesn't really have she's sort of got any kind of abilities like she gets extra actions when she moves. Yeah, I think Ursula is really good as well. And the reason I've said I think Ursula is really good in the past is because she encourages you to put in cards in your deck that combine with her ability. Mm-hmm. And those cards tend to be good cards. So she rewards you for taking cards that are already good. Yeah. I think Monterey, his ability is probably even a shade better than Ursula's and gives you the same incentive. Mm-hmm. So keep moving but putting cards that help you move more efficiently uh, and then you get doubly rewarded for them. Yeah, because the the card that's jumping out here to me is Pathfinder. Absolutely, So that yeah. gives you a free move. So in Ursula, your free investigate for moving then comes off the back of a free move itself. So for turns once Pathfinder's down, for zero actions, you get plus two actions, a move and an investigate. And yeah. in Jack... Similarly, for zero actions, you get a move and a card or a move and a resource. And you get to choose, which is pretty tasty as well. You can toggle his ability based on what you need in the moment. They're very similar in that way. They both say, essentially, get an action after moving. Yes. But I think more often getting a resource, getting a resource is, is, it's not as good as getting an action, Mm. but... Bear in mind, Ursula, you have to use to investigate. Um, and sometimes this that's that's not on the cards, literally. Jack is going to frequently give you money. Yes, yeah. Like, you're not going to turn your nose up at, at a bonus resource or a bonus card. So so I've noticed when I play him, just off the back of this, <laughs> Frank, mm. and I've not, I've not admitted this to you before, so it's a bit of a confession. When I'm not playing Jack, I sort of do, and I don't know whether you find this frustrating playing with me, I'm very resistant to moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need a very good argument to move anywhere. Mm. Movement. You're feels... sort of terrified, aren't you? You're frozen. <laughs> like, no, frozen let's just here. stay here. Can I? Can I resign right now? Can I just leave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need. It, it feels like actions spent moving are the most frequently wasted actions. I really want to be sure that moving now is is the thing to do because moving out of a location, then having to move back to it later, just fills me with a sort of disgust um, that's a horrible thing to have to do <laughs> sort of disgust wow yeah and i've got to say i think one of the biggest step change improvements in my play as an arkham player was getting better at moving and i know we brought yeah. that into the movement episode but once you see it it's very hard to unsee yeah the number yeah. of actions you might uh, waste and i remember even in the movement episode doing air quotes for waste the number of actions that are spent on moving that didn't need to be spent on moving yeah. And that could have been spent on something else. Yeah. 
so yeah so i'm i'm on board with that maybe i don't feel the disgust that you feel but I, yeah i understand that so how does but, that translate well, into playing jack? interestingly with jack i have the exact opposite gut urge i never ever yeah. want to be standing still <laughs> yes uh, yeah. i can imagine jack is going to be someone who's always fidgeting in his seat he's, he's like yes. well i can't stay here for too long because i'm wasting my ability every turn but i mean you don't obviously you don't want to be moving spending an action to move to gain a resource, do you? Just to gain a resource, yeah, yeah. It's not great. I mean, I'd, I'd say probably if you were going to gain an action to gain a resource, spend an action to move instead, because that's probably better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you do what I mean. You, you feel yeah, that, 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 you that, that the compulsion to stay on the move, to stay triggering your ability. And I think that's that's crucial to why he, he encourages you to play in a, in a good way, because he's he's gaining you resources and he's drawing you cards as you're progressing with the scenario. So you're not standing still in order to to build up your board state. You're moving forwards, pressing forwards, and you're not having to sacrifice gaining resources or, or drawing cards because of that. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that's, that, that's really, really potent. And I think then, I think the movement, lots of the movement cards are really good anyway. Pathfinder is obviously incredibly good. Shortcut's always a good card to have. I can list a bunch more movement cards that are similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if when you play those, you're like tripling up on, on the benefit as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a free action to both move and then also gain a resource or draw a card is so good. And when you've mm-hmm. got two Pathfinders down, <laughs> it just becomes total nonsense what you're doing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah it really does. So as you were talking, I was thinking it's almost like three sides or three points in a triangle. Mm. You've got setting up your board. You've got drawing the cards and gaining the resources that let you do that. And you've got progress in some sense, moving to new locations, investigating, actually getting on with the act. And if you lean too much into the first two, you're missing out on the third. But Monterey Jack kind of turns it into a circle where... If you go moving, that will give you the cards and resources, which mean you can spend action setting up, which help you move more because you've played a Pathfinder or whatever it is. The cards are fueling more movement. The resources mean you can play things without wasting time. So you get to move more, which gets you more cards and resources. So he, he, if you lean into it, it actually, exactly as you say, rewards not just you for what you're doing, but rewards you in, in the further setup in in making progress. And I think even, you know, I don't even think you need to lean into it. Mm. I think you get a, an amazing deck when you do. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice compensation for making or kind of making aggressive progress early on that you're rewarded for exploring early in the scenario. Mm. Mm. I think that, that that's good in itself. And sort of even if you don't lean into the movement cards... And, and you just you, you keep the deck slots for other stuff to go in it. Uh, I don't mm. think that's bad either. I think he's, any econ ability is going to be good because it takes some of the pressure off having to put more econ in your deck. Mm. And it being actionless while you're doing something else is just gravy. Yeah. I was just thinking of the gathering as you were talking. And I know we gave this example in our one of our Edge of the Earth first looks when we looked at Jack. But in the gathering, you can do the gathering by moving five times. So out of the study into the hall, then hall to cellar, cellar to hall, hall to attic, attic to hall. That's five moves if you spread those over turns. 
So that means sort of at a baseline, if you're getting plus five resources or plus five cards or any combination thereof, that straight away gives an illustration of how much you might expect from the ability. And most scenarios are bigger than the gathering, so you'd be expecting even more. Yeah. Which is, yeah, saying he started on 10 resources or saying draw five extra cards to the scenario is pretty amazing, particularly for doing what you're going to need to do anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we've talked about his ability for for quite a while. Should we maybe dive into... Do we want to look at his cards or should we look at his stats next? Well, while we're looking at the, the front of the card, should we do stats then as well? Yeah, that sounds good to me. So four intellect and five agility are the ones that obviously jump out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess all the stats are remarkable, sort of one way or the other, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, four is is good, but not very high. Five is obviously is is the gold standard in terms of stats, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and one is as bad as they can get. So, well, yeah, not quite, but nearly. <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? A one in willpower because we've seen it now enough times for it not to be too shocking. Mm. You know, I think Finn was the real torchbearer for you can have one in the stat and it not be the end of the world and one of the things i think that's really interesting about playing jack is that he does remind me of finn he follows to a certain extent in finn's shadow and (laughs) finn has forged this ground of like how do you play a fast clue getting rogue that can get in and out quickly because you've got this this big weakness that you've only got one willpower um, the difference here is Jack only has six sanity as well. Finn has a seven, and Finn has access to Survivor, which Jack doesn't have access to. So you lose Cherish Keepsake, Big Man on Campus, miss out on that in Jack. Yes, yes, absolutely. Have you felt hamstrung by his one willpower playing him? Not overly. Um, I think there's a lot of tricks these days to, to, to work around that kind of thing. Whether you're mm-hmm. packing, you handle this one, or the the, the Frank classic of, of a one-off, say your prayers, <laughs> or you're picking, race, yeah, <laughs> you're picking up. I mean, nicely, a lot of the seeker allies um, have have a have a decent uh, sanity mm. soak as well. Yeah, um, so so that's they always skew nice. towards sanity, don't they? Yeah, the old one-two <laughs> stats <laughs> for soak on seeker allies is it's well worn, isn't it? Yeah, obviously yeah. that potentially uses up some of your level zero slots but but potentially worth it i think yeah um so no i don't think so um he's never gonna excel in the mythos phase really well he's fascinating if we split between defensive and offensive stats he's a six six as well so he is balanced in that way it's just he only wants to draw the agility treacheries he really doesn't want the willpower treacheries yeah yeah maybe return to the circle undone where there's prevalence of agility he might be laughing through it but but what he does do is he he's got he's both able to find clues quite easily with an intellect mm-hmm. of four mm-hmm. i would say is this going to be a hot take intellect feels like one of the stats that's easiest to boost with mm-hmm. assets mm-hmm. Uh, certainly your clue finding ability is one of the easiest to boost with with assets so finding clues feels pretty straightforward for him and he's got a built-in way mm-hmm. to deal with enemies which is to evade them and and a five agility mm-hmm. is probably enough straight up to evade pretty much any enemy yeah yeah enemy evade values tend to be lower than enemy fight values 
so you can get away. Yeah. Yeah. And typically you only have to evade them once. Yeah. Rather than hit them multiple times. You don't need the equivalent of an evasion weapon to keep you going because normally you just evade once and move on. And yeah, we already know how he feels about moving away. I liked your qualification for that intellect that it's quite good because that would be the one thing I've noticed in playing Jack Solo. I think I assumed that intellect four was fine and will see me fine. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, certainly how I play, you really want it to be getting up to five or six to not be then worrying about needing other boosts. So I think my tip would be don't slouch on the intellect in that way. You know, either you're running a flashlight or using some of those off-class slots for a magnifying glass or running lockpicks or thinking about allies that give you a, a static intellect boost or maybe you're upgrading into death, the tarot card, to give you that static intellect boost. Once you're at five or six, then you don't need to worry too much about committing cards unless it's a really high shroud location. I found that took me by surprise that four wasn't the be-all and end-all. It's still very good, obviously. It's a lot better than a three or a two. But yeah, it requires a little bit of work around it, I would say. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And your Jack deck, you're running Genet. Yes. You're running Fieldworks for individual boost. Oh, and you're running Ice Pick. Yes, that's right. There was something else as well. Not, they used to be Jeremy. Oh yeah, it used to be Jeremiah. Used to have Jer- as well. Jeremy in there. Um, I did. Yeah. I have got hiking boots as well for an agility. Okay, boost. yeah, yeah. So with Janae, you go up to a five, and then with Ice Pick, you're at a six. If you've just moved into the location, fieldwork gets you to an eight. Yeah, that. yeah. Big numbers at that point. It is, yeah, and I think there's a lot of fun. Oh, I certainly have a lot of fun juggling the 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 sequencing of my turn. With mm. the pathfinders and the hiking boots and the ice picks and the the field and the field works, just mm-hmm. this is the order I do things. I often find myself, I, I, and I'm sure you've noticed this, not wanting to move at the end of my turn because I want yeah. to get the benefit from from freshly moving in somewhere with the field work. Yeah, the following turn. So you've got that end of turn lull where you're like, is this when I then play an asset? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's he's he's, he's self sufficient. Mm. Which is a nice thing to have in a character who sort of feels dedicated towards getting clues. Yeah, if you've got access to rogue and you're thinking of going down the line of rogue events, there are things that do care about agility then. So whether that's backstab or pilfer, or also evading enemies to sneak attack them, or even events that then get to add your agility to them, like slip away and and, uh, it's cheap shot that also adds agility. So that five is really amazing given his... Even though he becomes a seeker, it's really nice as a starting point if you want to do all of that rogue stuff, particularly in solo. How am I going to kill enemies? Oh, I can lean on the rogue part to do that. Yeah. That's really nice. How else might he want to kill enemies, Peter? Maybe it's time for us to look at some signatures. Yeah, yeah. I think it's me to read the first one, right? Because you read the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, this worked yeah. out well. It did work out well. Uh, first of all, we have the, the trusty bullwhip. This is a two-cost asset. It has two agility and a wild icon, and it has the item weapon melee traits. Fast, Monterey Jack deck only. Action, fight. This attack uses agility instead of combat. If this attack succeeds, you may exhaust Trusty Bullwhip to either automatically evade the attacked enemy or deal plus one damage for this attack. 
and it uses a hand slot. Is that the flavour? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it doesn't say that. It really should. Can I scr- scribble it onto my pen? Send your card to Maxine for altering. This is a. I think this is just a an all round great signature asset. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a weapon sort of that's fast. That's good. It's nice yep. and cheap. Uh, that's yep. also good. It has two agility and a wild icon, which mm-hmm. is is great if you don't need to play it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got a, a, a sort of a, a dual use in terms of it's a it's a an escape button if an enemy pops up your location and you want to evade it. Yeah. Pretty well. I suppose you just spend the action to evade it, don't you? But you get to well, deal that. It might have a really high evade value and a really low Yes, of course, yes. Yeah. Or it might have alert. Low fight value. Yeah. Or it might have alert, exactly. Yeah. So so that's nice. It's also a little bit of damage acceleration as well. So it allows you if you're if you're you know comfortably above the value, you could take out a three or possibly a four health enemy on your turn. Mm-hmm. Importantly you can still attack with it even when it's exhausted. So the yes. the plus one damage or auto evade is once a turn, but you could go whip, whip, and then a third whip that you exhaust. So do four damage in the turn, which isn't too bad. It also evades once you've already succeeded as well, which is a nice, it's just a nice little extra way it works. Um, it yes. would be, feel pretty, pretty feels bad if you had to exhaust it first and then it didn't mm-hmm. do what you wanted it to do. <laughs> What we've seen more and more is having characters who can evade enemies can be a useful way of saving the fighter actions engaging enemies. So you might have a situation where Jack has drawn an enemy in Mythos and the teammate Lily, which is who I'm playing, wants to engage and kill them or wants to attack them but isn't 100% sure about hitting. And having ways for Jack to evade that is a pseudo handing the enemy off to Lily can be really useful. We've even had, I think, situations where we've found ourselves enemy swamped and knowing you can use the bullwhip to evade an enemy engaged with Lily by attacking that enemy is really nice because if you, as the dedicated evader, wanted to evade that enemy, you'd need to engage it off me and then spend an action to evade. So it does add a bit of utility for for Jack as, as a way of helping manage you know, what's going on with enemies, which I think is really nice. I just, I don't have much more to add because I completely agree with you. I think it's a really good card. It's a really nice signature. Yeah. And I like that it's only a single hand slot as well. So it doesn't feel like a huge commitment in terms of your setup. You can normally have something else in one of your hands, like the different clue tools we've mentioned or like the ice pick. Yeah. Which it's, also it's, combines it's, with this. Nicely. Exactly, I was about to say, yeah, it does. Um, so you could deal two damage and auto evade or deal a three damage. And I think, I, I just think adding to what I've said, that it's a nice, flexible card that helps you deal with enemies. Jack feels like someone who can be out by himself. Mm-hmm. His high agility keeps him safe to an extent. His low willpower might, might be a bit of a problem if someone else is hoarding all the cancellation stuff. But if an enemy does appear, he needs to deal with. He's got this, you know. He could kill like a one health enemy that's got a doom on it or something like that, yeah, pretty handily. Or 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 a, or a low health enemy that's that's pinning him down for some reason. This just gives you some extra options to deal with that if you need to. Uh, and the fact that it's fast as well means you just hold on to this card until you need it. Yeah, it's making me think he's maybe a slightly similar role to say Luke Robinson, mm-hmm. 
they they've got a seeker part to their role, so they're going to go and get clues. But they've also got an inbuilt way of handling an enemy or dealing getting away from an enemy, so you can let them go off and do their thing. You don't need to babysit them in the way that a more fragile out and out seeker might want to be shadowed by an enemy manager. Yeah. So his signature weakness is buried secrets. It's a treachery and it's mystery treated. Revelation put buried secrets into play in your threat area. If your location can be investigated, you cannot move except by scenario card effects. Action, investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering clues, discard buried secrets. If you fail, you may take two horror to shuffle it into your deck. This feels pretty tough to me. I don't necessarily think I've ever been really, really stung by it in a scenario. Mm-hmm. The worst that's happened is slightly derailed the plans for a couple of turns. Yeah. But I just have this feeling lurking there. There's the possibility that it absolutely destroys you. Mm-hmm. You pull this at like a five shroud location and you don't have enough cards in your hand and everything mm-hmm. grinds to a halt. You can't use your field works. You can't use your pathfinders. The way you might draw into getting more cards would be by moving on, which you can't do. So you're just sitting there spending actions drawing. Yeah. Exactly. And if, you, if you've taken, say, a couple of horror already, taking another two puts you into just like instant death range from from a treachery. Yeah. Which yeah. feels quite likely that would happen if if uh, if Jack draws one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, one of his great, one of Jack's great strengths is to outpace the encounter deck by going fast and by rewarding himself for going quickly and having a weakness that just suddenly puts the brakes on can be really nasty in solo what i found is sometimes i might end up with that conga line of enemies behind me because evade move on evade move on and being rewarded for moving on and having that turn where i have to spend an action to investigate before i can move on is pretty nasty yeah and what you mentioned about the five shroud location it this really says action test intellect x where x is the shroud of your location which <laughs> i guess is what an investigate is but by phrasing it in that way test x it's for me much more of a reminder of how variable that could be this could be completely trivial if you're at a zero shroud location yeah but it could be killer there are some locations that are more than five shroud as well there's some weird ones in wages of sin that are eight shroud you know there's there's there are times when it could just be absolutely freakishly difficult yeah and you think okay wow this is hard I like that it gives you a get out. You can spend the action, lose the action and just take two horror. But there is that possibility that it goes back into your deck and you then see it again in a turn or two. It can be surprisingly brutal, I'd say. <laughs> that would be my assessment. I mean, I guess the worst case is it's an action and two horror. Yeah. So And you, you know, see it again the following turn. That would be the worst. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I think the, probably the the ninety percent case is that it's not too bad, but there is probably yeah that ten percent where it really wrecks your day. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably broadly speaking good weakness design that you want the lurking threat of that because if your weakness is something you really don't care about, I mean that's great, but it it removes some tension from the game. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's, that's I guess, the basics of Jack. Mm. 
when I was thinking about Jack and building a deck with Jack, when I got over the initial terror of, of deck building and started diving in, I felt like I had a good idea of what we wanted to build with him, which is a fast-moving, clue-getting investigator. Mm. But what gets me is, what else can I do with him? I feel like a bit of enemy management and, and a bit of clueing is is the direction I'm ending up in, but I'm struggling to think if I can make him cover any of the bases. What, what do you think? Have you had any success with that? Well, one of my first Jack decks was a forced learning Jack deck. Oh, interesting. So it was 45 cards rather than 30. And one of the things I like about that for the Edge of the Earth investigators is that their off class, whichever, you know, their, their starting class you might want all sorts of things from that class that you're then going to upgrade out of, in theory. So it dilutes the five level zero cards from Seeker, but it gave me lots of rogue toys. And then, because of being Seeker weirdness, I then ran Dream Enhancing Serum. Of course. A classic five move. You're going to draw extra cards as Jack. You're going to draw two cards in upkeep and choose which one to keep with forced learning. So you're giving yourself more chances for Dream Enhancing Serum to fire and draw you even more cards and have a nice big hand. Don't worry about any duplicates in your hand for hand size. So I don't know if that qualifies as necessarily a fun alternative route. Like I was still doing my backstab and sneak attack, my Faustian bargain, my Intel report, and then upgrading into Pathfinders and other Seeker good stuff. But... There's, I suppose, scope for some of the weirder, more esoteric sides, definitely of the Seeker card pool with this investigator, just because I think he's freed by appearing that he's a rogue. You know, he, you, your starting deck is not going to be that Seeker clone deck of two fingerprint kit, two deduction, two shortcut. It might have two shortcut, two shortcut, two preposterous sketches, two I've got a plan, because he simply can't take them all. So straight away, it's going to be diluted by being a rogue. And that, I think, this is a long-winded way of saying, forces him down a slightly interesting niche. Other option I thought about is big money. Yeah. He can take well-connected. The challenge is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there are any... Ah, there is cryptic writings level two. I was going to say, I don't think there are any resource-generating cards from Seeker 1 to 5. Think cryptic writings is the only one, unless you can think of any others that generate you resources as seeker. Maybe one of the strange solutions gives you money as well. Anyway, maybe one of the big money things is that you upgrade into your hot streaks or you upgrade into well connected level three. You generally add more resource generation as the deck gets stronger. Yeah, but this is a weird one because it would start as the level zero deck, and I'm not quite sure what you icing you you add to that well yeah again this is an interesting point because i feel one of the strengths of monterey slash jack is the inbuilt econ ability allows you to run lighter on actual econ cards in your deck yeah, uh, yeah. And, and his his econ ability is is yet more flexible than say jenny's because it's it's resources all cards so you can switch mm. between the two mm. um as, yeah. as you need to bolster your economy we're playing Edge of the Earth and I'm playing Jack in that. And I've got two Faustine Bargains in that deck, but I very rarely mm. actually need to play them. And there's other reasons why your economy is a bit stronger in that campaign. 
But even yeah. then, absolutely, we've not been absolutely busting for resources at any point, have we? And the the the, the cost curve of that deck tends to skew quite high as well because there's lots of assets it wants to play. Yeah, yeah, you because you're running William Webb and Janae, which is and charisma, so that's straight away eight resources just on the ally slot before you start factoring in replaying ice picks and everything else, which adds up. There must be something here as well for maybe like a Witten Green finding tomes and relics deck that he starts out roguish and adds in more seeker tomes and relics. You may be your esoteric atlas for even more movement because Witten then searches his deck to find them and accelerates through that. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Which would be an interesting interesting avenue to take him down. And I've seen him with Prophesii Profana as well, which boosts his stats, makes him immune to attacks of opportunity and allows him to move everyone, including himself, long distances. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's like a fun alternative build for him or just a very good card that he should upgrade into. Yeah, or, or some kind of pendant recursion deck. Yeah, exactly. Just use Witten to search your deck vigorously. I mean, because he's a rogue, he could also take Underworld support. So if you, you could go the opposite direction of forced learning and t- run a 25-card jack deck, and you're using his ability to draw through everything really quickly, and it would be like a very finely tuned machine <laughs> about finding the exact pieces you need at any given time. Yeah. And you can rely on his ability to uh, shore up not having uh, access to everything you need. You know, you run like a cigarette case, pickpocketing, maybe... Um, or upgrade into Seeker Draw, and you can draw your whole deck in a matter of turns. Also appealing, yeah. I guess what's floating behind in the background to this is brewing up weird decks. You need to sort of know what your role is. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he can kind of be left alone, which yeah. is what makes him a good secret uh, solo investigator. Just leave him alone, do his thing. You, you don't even need to be at the table to play, Jack. You just set the deck up and it plays itself. <laughs> but I, my question for you, I suppose, was what role you saw him having in larger three or four player groups. Because I was wondering if he could cut it as your main seeker in that setting. Or is it a myth that you would only have one main seeker anyway? That's a good question. I don't necessarily think he, he... As I've been playing, it's the clear acceleration that has been harder to, to, to get working. It's harder to mm. make, like, deductions land. But I don't necessarily think that's impossible. I think some of the tools, like a fingerprint kit, for instance, you'd maybe want to be looking more at those kind of things. And that's a precious off-class slot. It's a precious off-class slot indeed. But I guess, yeah, if that's your job, I'm going to get clues. The the, the the issue then becomes, I guess, um, it's a bit more difficult to justify popping into and out of locations. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you going to sit here and get the eight clues off this two-eye location? It's like, exactly. Oh, I kind of yeah. want to move. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, then, and then you start to benefit from the old Ursula style pinging backwards and forwards between locations. Yeah, I'll clear two locations, but I'll spread them out over two turns as I move between the two of them. Yeah. Trigger but, field works, whatever else. Yeah. Which, is, which is just chucking extra impediments in your way of playing your deck efficiently, really. Um, it's extra yeah. requirements you've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I, I can see... I think you could build them like that, but I think yeah. probably your ability to move around as freely as you want is lessened in a larger player game. Mm. Maybe it's one of the ones that rewards a bit of knowledge of the map, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of knowledge of scenarios, so you know where you can be moving to, the flow of your scenario, what it's going to be like, and hopefully you're going to be set up a bit more by the time you get to that big, chunky final location. Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm thinking that maybe he gets labelled, though we haven't really used this word in Arkham before, but he's almost the sweeper. You know, he's yeah. not... He's not sitting doing the grunt work. He's moving around. He's say it was midnight masks and the cultist has popped up on the other side of the map. He's like, yeah, I can go and deal with that. He can pick up enemies. Or, yeah. yeah, he can pick up enemies yeah. if, if they pop up. Yeah, or he can, uh, you know, he can he can pull them off people and evade them, uh, or he can pick up the last few clues while your main cluer or your main enemy air manager uh, focuses on doing something else, uh, which I guess is probably the the roguish aspect of his nature, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can turn his hand to anything. Because that's the other thing. I think the, the weird skew here is he upgrades into Seeker, but his best stat is agility. Mm-hmm. And saying, well, he's upgrading into Seeker, so therefore he's a Seeker is, you know, it's the same as playing Norman and being like, well, I'm upgrading into Mystic, so I'm going to work on this four willpower rather than this five intellect. You're like, well, yeah. why? You know, don't look at a gift horse in the mouth, particularly if it's a five in a stat. So I'd love to hear from from listeners as well if you feel like he really can carry in that role. Maybe there's something I'm, I'm missing or maybe there's more to the build. That's definitely something I'd like to hear about. Anything else from you, Peter? I think, I think I'm done. I mean, I guess that the one thing mm. it would be nice to cap the episode off with is what do you really enjoy about playing mm. Jack? Need for speed, for sure. <laughs> There is something inherently enjoyable about being rewarded for cracking on. Yes. And to go back to my analogy of circling the triangle, you know, rewarding you for doing one thing, which then feeds into what you'll need to do to be able to keep going, I think is really nice. It's really, really fun. Um, How about you? Circling the triangle would be a good podcast name. Circling the triangle with me, Dr. Frank, whatever, yeah. Isosahedron. <laughs> yeah, what about you? I, a couple of things. I think he, he lets me play with a lot of my favourite cards, which is yeah. always nice. I, I, I love I love playing with movement. I think mm. just being able to move quickly. And I think that kind of double synergy of encouraging you to play good cards and then rewarding you for, for using them, mm. uh, just, just really... He feels like he really sings when he gets going. And... You can you can come up with a really like uh, optimized turn. Uh, <laughs> you're like, well, I'll move here and then I'll use this and then I'll use my field work and then suddenly I've got six willpower to pass this test that we need to pass. Yeah, yeah, and that's making me think. You know, the one way to think about his ability is not an ability that you actively try to fire. You play well, and the ability will reward you at the end of each of your turns for doing that. Yeah. Because I was going back to that thought of, you know, is Scout Ahead a good card in Jack? Pay one resource, spend a card, get three moves. So at the end of your turn, you do get a card and a resource back. But then you've just come out just over even because you've got one extra move. But of course, that's, that's not the reason you play Scout Ahead to get a card and a resource. You play Scout Ahead to cover three locations in one action. 
Yes. And do other things. And the reward for doing that is it costs you no card and no resource because you get those back. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's like playing Taunt in Zoe. Do you play Taunt to get the three resources from the three enemies at your location? Well, no, you don't, but getting three resources is good. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, you play it because that's not even an action to engage three enemies and you've got your whole turn. Yeah, yeah. it incentivizes you to do what you're already good at. That would be my takeaway. Don't move because you want to fire the ability. Move because it's a good choice to make within the scenario <laughs> you're in and you'll get rewarded. I just yeah. imagine you at the table, someone's there. Oh, I'm going to move up here because I triggered my ability. No, no, no. no! Think of a different no. reason to move there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to be there. Fine. Can't I'll allow it. I'm, I'm, I'm role playing as a seeker, and I'm really curious what's in this next location. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I'll allow yeah. it. Yeah. Frank Abbas. <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed this episode, listener. You can get in touch with us with all of your Monterey Jack or other thoughts. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, designed by humans if you want a drawn to the flame t shirt or mug, and Patreon if you want to become a patron of the cast and support what we do. Thank you to all our current and former patrons. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. That's U N I T L E D. I'm on Twitter and Discord and Reddit and Steam and. Instagram is d.unitled, so yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter, that's EPH underscore B-E-E, and I'm FEB or Zooey Glass or Zozo around the place. Please say hello as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.